0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence
1: starts. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.
0: Permission to board, please. Permission to cover, boy. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mother ship? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Welcome inside Permission Granted Podcast 107, everybody. Thanks for being with us. As always, you can catch us on iTunes by searching Permission Granted Podcast. Subscribe for free. Just click on us. Totally free, and you'll get every episode uploaded to your iTunes on a daily basis or a weekly basis this case. We're also on the DA Show's regular iTunes feed and on our website, daoncbs.com. Normally, I begin these podcasts with Moraz. However, this week is a special PGP. Moraz will come in later. It's special because this is week one of the NFL season and Sunday marks Season 2 of Sunday Morning Football. And so I welcome on executive producer of SMF, James Ward. Mr. Ward, how are you? I'm doing well, DA. How are you? I'm excited for for Season 2. Last year, around this time, I don't know, when did we get the call that Sunday Morning Football was going to be a go? Was it... This late? No, probably early
2: August? Maybe early August. I remember I was actually on vacation at the time, Okay, so it was good and bad. Good I had something to look forward to when I got home, right. but bad because I was already stressing out about something while I was on vacation. Sure, yeah. But I, I think probably early August.
0: Pr- probably. Uh, yeah, early August would be my guess. So the genesis of Sunday morning football was that the first two years on the network, we were taking Mike Frances' football show. What is that called on WFN? WFAN. Uh, it's had a few
2: different names. It used the to NFL be the today? NFL Now. Oh, right. Francesca's uh, Francesa's Football Sunday. Okay. I think Mike Francesa's Football Sunday was the most recent okay. name. Okay.
0: So that was what we were carrying for two years on the network. And then the brass decided instead of having a show that was kind of New York Central, New York specific, let's do a national show, a network show, which Was I think a really great decision considering we have 170 some odd affiliates. I'm guessing we are a national network. Correct. And no, Mike does do some national, obviously, but he's going to focus primarily on what happens with the Giants and Jets. I'm trying to think. On the DA show, we have a buck 70 affiliates. Do we have more on Sunday Morning Football? Probably.
2: I think it is actually more. Yeah. I think it's around 200, give or take, because some of these stations, you know, they some of these stations have epically long. Pre-game shows or special football shows. Yeah, but I know generally on the weekends it's more than the during the week programming.
0: So they tabbed us to do this, and they asked me, and I was like, "Yeah, that sounds awesome. I would love to do that." And I think football, as much as I love baseball and basketball, football's still my favorite sport. It was my first sport. Is it your favorite sport?
2: No. I, I think baseball is my favorite sport, but okay. when we get into football season, yeah. I'd probably argue football is my favorite sport. Okay, But it's it's really hard for me because I really love the NFL. I really love college football. I, I still think baseball is probably my favorite sport, though. Okay.
0: So football was always my first love and is still my favorite sport as much as it's tough to sometimes get on board with the NFL and all the stuff that happens there. But So when they asked me to do this, I was like, absolutely, that sounds great. And then they they wanted you to be the executive producer, and I was like, that's an awesome fit. Obviously, James and I have worked together already, so I was excited to get going, but I don't know if I knew how much fun we would have until we actually got into it. And I would say the con is you're busting your ass to get in here early on a Sunday. And for me, Saturdays usually consist of watching college football, eating food, and drinking beer all day. Right. And so I can be sometimes a little little tired coming in, a little haggard uh, early when, you know, you get that wake-up call in the early morning on a Sunday, you just want to sleep in. But once we get into the show, the juices flow, I get fired up, and a lot of it has to do with reacting to Saturday's college football. We are the first show, the first people that can react to what happened on Saturday. And both you and I love college football. I think that's what I was most... I don't know about surprise about, but I I enjoyed the most. College football kind of gets overwhelmed on Sundays because the NFL takes over. I loved having two hours, and obviously we did a lot of NFL as well, but having that spot to be able to react to what happened on Saturday. It's funny that
2: you mentioned that because I think when we initially discussed the show, my idea was that we were going to predominantly do NFL. It was just what I've grown accustomed to hearing on Sundays. Yeah. And it was what I really thought we would spend the majority of Sunday morning football talking about. But it's a good point you brought up because so much of the action on Saturday gets lost on Monday because there's a massive day of football on Sunday. So we really have the opportunity from 9 to 11 Eastern on Sunday morning football to talk about the games that happen without being overshadowed by all the NFL action. I know John Kincaid does that as well on Sunday mornings. Right, And he, he precedes us. Right, he precedes us on the network on many of the same stations, and he really digs into the college football stuff. Because he's in Atlanta. He's in Atlanta, so he's SEC, right, that, right in SEC co- country. So we... We hit the college football really hard, and I think it's it's interesting because it gives us that opportunity to really kind of be first ones up on discussing what happened on Saturday. Yeah,
0: because so much happens on Saturday. So much. I mean, I'll go out and here in New York City, one of the things that I love to do is go to alumni bars to watch the big game of the day. So when Bama plays LSU, I'll often go to either Legends, which is the LSU alumni bar here, or the Ainsworth, which is the Bama bar, or... If there's a huge USC game or a huge Texas game or a huge Notre Dame game, whatever. And the atmosphere is amazing because New York City has alumni from everywhere. So I'll be kind of locked into those big games. But so much happens during the day. You can't catch it all. And I'm always kind of bummed when on a Sunday, by like noon, it's as though college football didn't even happen the day before. Right. It never happened. Even by 11. You know, because what? Fox and CBS have always had their pregame show start one hour before, so noon, noon Eastern. But now we have that other pregame show on CBS Sports Network, and we have FS1 doing pregame, and ESPN kind of translates its – or evolves its – or transfers, transitions its sports center – from what happened the night before into previewing the NFL probably by ten A. M. Right. And tons of fantasy football stuff. Yeah,
2: right. That's what big ESPN yes. Sunday mornings first yes. thing before they really start breaking down the games, it's fantasy football heavy. So probably nine thirty, ten o'clock, they're already they already forgot about Alabama L S U. Yep. It doing, doesn't exist anymore.
0: And NFL networks going live to stadiums at seven A. M. Eastern time and whatever. Right. So it's so I love that we have a we have carved out a niche to react to what happened on Saturday. And then it also gets you pumped up because every week we're on right before the games begin on Sunday. And so, you know, it's it's like we're a, a kickoff to the kickoff. So I love that. One of the things that you and I totally geeked out over last year was getting Kevin Harlan to voice the Open. Oh, yeah. And it's funny. We both, when we were kicking around production elements and how the show would sound last summer, both you and I grew up with the old CBS theme songs and kind of that big game-type feel and that big band-type feel that CBS used to have. And I was like, how about we do throwback music to, like, early 80s CBS? And you were like, totally, I'm all I'm all about it. So then we were thinking, okay, who could voice this that would make it sound like that?
2: Yeah, like a traditional, you know, 80s NFL game open that basically made you— get like goosebumps all over your yeah. arm
0: just listening to it. Yeah. And voice guy would be great. We have a great voice guy here, but he's not a sound of the NFL. So, I think our original who is the original guy we thought of and we were like it's too bad. I think he, boy, I hate to say this. I think he passed away. Oh no, Musburger. Musburger. He said yep. Musburger would be a great voice for this. But Musburger is contracted by ESPN. And the funny thing is that you and I grew up listening to Musburger do those CBS opens. You're looking live, Soldier Field. So frigid Lambeau Field. Yeah. So the next guy we both thought of is Harlan because Harlan's just amazing. He's got tremendous pipes. Tremendous pipes, and uh, and he really would give it some oomph. So. I had I had known him from my days in Kansas City because he is a Kansas City guy and he lives out there, and uh, he's a Kansas graduate, KU Jayhawk, and I was like, maybe we can reach out to him. So you reached out to him and he said he would be thrilled to do it. So we had him voice this, and when we got back the raw audio, both you and I were like. Oh, one take. (laughs) Yeah, one take. One take. (laughs) We're like, this is awesome. This (laughs) is great. This is awesome. So we put it behind that music, and needless to say, it just sung. And what's great is I saw Kevin at the Super Bowl this year, and I thanked him for doing the opening. So He's so gracious and so great, and he's, no, thank you, thank you. And he said, you know, I had multiple people come up to me during the year And say, I heard you do the Sunday morning football open and it was really great. So, all he said, his son heard it in Colorado, his daughter heard it in North Carolina, other friends heard it other places and they mentioned this to him. So, I was like, wow, imagine that. That's of, of all the things Harlan has done, he's getting people talking about that to him. But it just goes to show you that sound of the old school big game still resonates.
2: Right. And it's, I remember we had Harlan on as a guest following the Bengals Steelers playoff game and it was the first time that I'd really talked to him since the open. I was like, Kevin, you know, you really made the production of this show pop. You made this it you made it sound like Sunday morning football. Your pipes made this awesome. Yeah. And he was like, well, I really appreciate you guys for asking me. I'm like, oh good. Okay. It's really, really my pleasure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. All we did was write it. Right. (laughs) So uh, I think Kevin's going to do it again for us, which is awesome. I'm totally fired up about that. And we have these elements that I think let's just keep it consistent. I mean, I don't know. I like to tweak the DA show, and I like to make tweaks to shows and stuff, but I just felt like last year, whether it was opening up the show with Sunday Gunslinger or starting off the second hour with Coming In Hot and the Top Gun music – or the football forecast with the Weather Channel music, or the, the the exciting calls from Saturday, I thought it sewed itself together really well that, I don't know, I I felt like we shouldn't even mess with anything because it worked well. Yeah, I don't think there's anything to mess with.
2: And with a two-hour show, you have a lot of flexibility to do a lot of different things, but there's no reason to change the things if the things you're doing work. Right. So we have six segments and we get a lot in there. We try to get one really good guest every week to give us give us some insight. We're going to have a, a big-time CBS Sports guest at least a few times during the season. Um, but it's, it, I think there's no reason to change it because I think what we did actually worked really well last year. So I think we can make an announcement.
0: Yeah, we can. It's confirmed. Boomer Esiason is going to join us once a month, I think, on Sunday morning I football. think we're going to try once a month or once every six weeks. Okay. Cool. Yeah, last year he joined us once in the regular season, I think once in the postseason. And uh, we had a great time with Boomer. He's always awesome. He knows, obviously, what he's talking about. And I love having him on our show right before he takes the television airwaves so we kind of get first crack at him. So that was awesome. And, uh, yeah, we had great guests once a week. And the thing is, I like doing a show in this regard like we did last year in this. And that is, if – We get calls. I love to get reaction. I love instantaneous reaction to what happened on Saturday, people going into football Sunday. But doing a show that you could listen to and it flows and it moves and everything and it doesn't need calls, you could just listen to it passively and it sounds like a full-bodied show. And I think that's what happened last year. We got most of our phone calls last year on a reaction to what happened on Saturday. Right. Most people were not talking about what was going to happen on Sunday. It was college football fans talking about their team and crazy stuff that happened on Saturday. And what I loved about it was if we just did two hours and we didn't take a phone call, it sounded like a good show. If we had a bunch of phone calls, it sounded like a good show because of all of the elements, all of the music, all of the production, and all of the stuff that we had jammed in there.
2: Right. I 100% agree with that. And – we, I think going in, we both kind of thought that it would be a little bit more NFL, but we got so many calls from like Atlanta and WJOX and Birmingham, just people dying to react to the SEC action. And we didn't need it. When we got it, it was great. But when we had a show without calls, there's so much to talk about and there's so much to get into that it, it, it was really easy to plan the whole thing and just have like a really good two hours.
0: Yeah, it was... I really had a ton of fun last year. I can't wait for it now. Season two comes your way this week on Sunday, 9 a.m. until 11 a.m. Eastern time, each and every week. So that's 8 a.m. until 10 a.m. Central. And what's also cool is if you miss it, we put it up on the podcast immediately after the show. So you can go to the website and listen to it, or you can get it on iTunes and listen to it, the normal DA show feed. And I think by us reacting and doing a lot about Saturday – it means that you could go back and listen to what we do every week and it doesn't feel dated because if we only did a preview Sunday football show – it might be dated by the time that the games kick off at 1, you know, by the time you're into those games. But since we do so much college football, I feel like you can go back and listen to our shows all the time.
2: Yeah, it's definitely got a, got a few days because of so much of it is the reaction. Again, we, t- we touch on the NFL things, the big stories. But then if you think about it, a lot of the big NFL matchups are Sunday night, Monday night. So you could really put that thing on any time during the day on Sunday, and it's not stale at all.
0: Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern, Kevin Harlan's pipes waking you up, getting you ready for breakfast, getting you off to shopping or church or getting the kids off to soccer practice or, or football practice or whatever it is, cleaning the house, cleaning the garage, getting your buddies over, doing some grocery shopping for the games. Sunday morning football comes your way. Season 2 on Sunday. You ready, Ward? I'm ready to go. Let's do it. All right, side B of the Permission Granted Podcast is right now.
1: All right, welcome into Side B of the Permission Granted Podcast. I am your executive producer, Sean Mraz. You may not know that I'm Mraz because for the first time, I think, ever, I was Wally Pipped on the, well, originally the crossover, now the part one with DA, thanks to the guy next to me, James Ward, who nine months ago complained he wasn't getting enough run of the Permission Granted Podcast and is now basically taking over... All of Permission Graded Podcast one hundred and seven. James, how are you?
2: I'm good. This is a new for new thing for me. I'm on side A
1: and on side B. I don't think that's ever happened before. Yeah, good for you. Uh, you know, go go get your reps. Really try to try to upstage me or Joe for that matter, but with good reason. Uh, you, you're producing Sunday Morning Football, which obviously we just promoted here on side A. I guess you want to call it of PGP one hundred and seven, and here on side B, something we teased last week and something that I think is very important to do. ...in promotion of football season on the DA Show program. Now, for those of you who have stuck with us from the beginning of time... ...when the DA Show launched on CBS Sports Radio... ...you were aware of Up the Gut, my NFL picks, my football food of the week... ...and doing a a weekly blog right there on DA on CBS.com. And at the very beginning, Kenny Brock did Brock's locks... ...where he took care of the college football side of things. Luckily, we had a pretty seamless transition last year... ...where James Ward took over with Ward's winners... ...a name highly debated and highly discussed. And here we are, preseason... For both of us, as full disclosure, you're probably listening to this somewhere midweek following Labor Day. We are taping this on the Friday before the first full college football Saturday.
2: We have to get these picks documented before the big first weekend so that no one can accuse us of anything, you know, fugazi. This is on the record before the first weekend of the college football season. Exactly.
1: So when you read our blogs weekly, you're going to read weekly picks. But there's nowhere for us to pick playoff teams to pick a Heisman winner, an MVP winner, to pick a college football champion, a Super Bowl champion, because we don't have enough time to do that on the show. So we're doing that right here for you on Side B of the PGP. So please, get at me on Twitter at CBS. Get at Ward at Twitter at James CBS. If you disagree with any of our picks, if you like our picks, we're just going to have a discussion here about the college football season and the NFL season and let you know what we think. We'll start here in the first half, James, because college football starts the weekend before the NFL. Where you're going with the college football playoff teams, where you're going maybe with conference champions, where you're going with the with the playoff, uh, you know, and the and the eventual college football national champion and the Heisman winner. Let's have some discussion. Where do you see things unfolding this year in the college football season? All right. So, and let's start from the top. I don't like to do this,
2: but I think that last year's national championship runner-up team is going to win the national championship this year. I'm taking Clemson wow. to win it all, which I have a number that doesn't bode well for me, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Since 2008, the runners-up in the national championship picture, Oregon the following season, they went 9 and 4. Auburn the following season after the national championship, they went 8 and 5. Notre Dame after they won uh finished runners-up, they went 9 and 4. LSU went 10 and 3, Oregon 12 and 2. Texas 5-7, and seven, Oklahoma 8-5. and five. So for the most wow. part... The that's te- good research by you. Hey, I do my homework. I write, a, I write a weekly blog for awards winners on the DA Show website. So I really have to know what I'm talking about with college football. What does that all mean? It means that the team that's the runner-up usually has a setback. Clemson's not going to because they have the best player in college football in Deshaun Watson. I think Watson's going to have another huge year.
1: Okay. I mean, well, obviously that's not stretching. The state's going to have another huge year. I find it interesting from this aspect. We've had plenty of college football experts and writers on the show leading up to college football season specifically. And the name you keep hearing a lot of the ACC is Florida State. And while everybody keeps hyping up to Sean Watson, and rightfully so, everybody is really hammering Florida State to end up in a national championship game, win the ACC, and maybe even win a national championship. Obviously, Dalvin Cook, a big reason for that. So I give, you the, I give you credit for having the Stones to go back to the Clemson well, and I had not known that stat about teams that lost in the, in the national championship game. Maybe that's a lot of the reason people are down on Clemson this year, but you totally are buying into Clemson. Totally
2: buying in. They have Mike Williams, who's one of their top wide receivers, probably the only wide receiver on that team that's a first-round NFL draft pick. He missed all of last season with a neck injury. He suffered, I think, the first game of the season. Clemson's a better team this year. They have better players than they did last year. And everyone talks about, you know, they lost Shaq Lawson. They lost Kevin Dodd. They lost Mackenzie Alexander on the defensive, uh, the, two of the best defensive linemen in the country. They're both first-round picks. They did the same thing the year before with with Vic Beasley. They, they right. just keep replacing these guys with other guys. Clemson has become the Alabama of the ACC. They just have bodies. They have guys wow. that can really, really play. I don't think there's going to be a setback for, for Clemson.
1: Okay, so since we're starting, we're working from the front back, which I like this. You're giving me a national champion right out the shoot. We didn't even get your playoff teams. Who does Clemson lose to in the national championship game? Clemson wins. I'm sorry. Who loses to Clemson, in that, I should have said? Clemson will beat the ohio state buckeyes okay see another thing you're going with here you're going ohio state over michigan that would mean in the big 10 yes i like ohio
2: state over michigan for one simple reason and that reason is jt barrett everyone looks at last year you had that big quarterback controversy in columbus jt barrett cardell jones cardell jones jt barrett so there was a little bit of influx
1: there it didn't really work And Ohio State still had a great year. So much so that that opening Labor Day night game, everybody sitting on the edge of the seats going, all right, well, who's going to trot out here and be the quarterback? Urban
2: revealed nothing. Right. That was one of the biggest stories of the year. So, and again, JT Barrett bouncing back from injury. He was the MVP of the Fiesta Bowl, he played wonderfully. So I think that we we will see the J.T. Barrett from 2014 and not the J.T. Barrett from 2015. Believe it or not, J.T. Barrett in 2014 as a freshman finished fifth place in the Heisman Trophy voting. So, and again, I think Ohio State returns three starters on offense and three starters on defense after losing 12 players to the NFL draft. So, but again... You're telling me Urban Meyer's not going to have players. The thing of that I don't like about Michigan—they are the they, Alabama of the Big Ten. Right. They don't have a quarterback. Michigan defense is great, and you know you got to trust Harbaugh with, yeah, with developing a quarterback.
1: That's the thing. That's how everybody leans on. Is Harbaugh is going to turn any quarterback he has into a stud? That's that's but, the assumption. But
2: as Ralph Russo from the AP said on the DA show this week, plug the last time Ohio State and Michigan played, Ohio State boat raced Michigan, so. Ohio- Michigan has to beat Ohio State in order for me to take them seriously. I'm not. I'm t- I'm thinking Ohio State's going to have a good year, and they're going to be this year's runner-up in the college football playoffs.
1: Okay, and who
2: are the other two playoff spots going to go to? The other two playoff spots, I think these are uh, more of kind of like a dark horse pick. Two dark horse picks. Two dark horse picks. I'm taking UCLA to win the Pac-12.
1: Okay, I mean, Josh Rosen, obviously, everybody's so high on. The other thing with UCLA,
2: their last four Pac-12 games, they're playing Colorado, they're playing Oregon State, of course they're playing USC, and they're also playing Cal. So this is a team behind Josh Rosen,
1: who was a great starter last year as a freshman.
2: Right, the experience he had last year is going to be so
1: integral and key to this season for UCLA. Right,
2: the uh, the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, which is huge. So, and, and... UCLA returns nine starters on
1: defense. Which you can't sleep on, especially in a conference like that.
2: Right. So they lost Paul Perkins to the NFL draft, who was one of their best players last year. But UCLA's deep, and they have the quarterback, so I'm thinking UCLA is going to win the Pac-12. Okay,
1: so now you have the Pac-12 in, you have the ACC in, you have the Big Ten in. You have one spot left, and I haven't heard a team come out of the SEC yet for you.
2: The fourth team will be an SEC team.
1: Okay. And...
2: This isn't the dark horse pick. The dark horse pick is that they're going to lose in the first round. I think Alabama is still the best team in the SEC. Okay. I don't see how they don't win the SEC again. They've got Bo Scarborough, who's a, a, another tremendous running back who you saw a little bit in the national championship game. This guy's, if you think Derek Henry was built, this guy's built. He's got, you know, arms the size of your head. He is a. And a real Southern country football name. Yeah, Bo Scarborough, and he is <laughs> he is a huge, massive man, and he's going to be the the next the next Alabama running back to be great. So the quarterback situation at Alabama doesn't worry me. It's still Nick Saban. It's still Nick Saban, and this when they play USC this weekend, it will be the fourth starting quarterback in four years for Nick Saban.
1: Right, and by the way, this that'll be a game that will have already been played by the time you're listening to this. Right. Okay, so those are your four playoff teams, and I and you're pumping up Alabama, but you think. To reiterate, your dark horses, as good as they are, they're going to get picked off in the first playoff game. Yes, I
2: think Alabama will lose in the first
1: playoff game. That may make New Year's Eve stink for a lot of people down south. So, Big 12, out of the mix for the playoff. Obviously, all the stuff that surrounded Baylor, Baylor should not be the same program they were this year. I mean, how can you be with all that hanging over your head? Uh, Who knows about TCU? So the Big 12, you think, overall, doesn't have a, a worthy contender or punished by the lack of Big 12 championship game?
2: I think they don't have a worthy contender. Everyone's okay. hyping Oklahoma. As I wrote about my awards winners overrated, underrated bit on the blog, I think Oklahoma's overrated. They're currently ranked number three in the AP Top 25. They're not the third best team in the country. They're right. They're good... I don't think they're great. They lost Sterling Shepard, who was their big
1: play wide receiver last year to the NFL. They lost Eric Stryker. By the way, you can tell where James feels on the NFL because now he's mentioned two New York Giants draft picks. That's big losses for UCLA and Oklahoma.
2: Hey, Paul Perkins led, led the Pac-12 in rushing last year. Sterling Shepard, one of the best receivers in the Big 12. So, hey. A non-giant, Oklahoma also lost their defensive leader in Eric Stryker. So, Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback. They've got Samaje Pirine and Joe Mixon as, as two really good running backs. But if you look at the Big 12 overall, there's not really a strong team besides Oklahoma. TCU's been good the last few years behind Trevon Boykin. Right. He's in the NFL. Baylor's been good, but obviously, as you mentioned, probably going to be a down year for Baylor. You would even, think even though quarterback Seth Russell should be pretty good and should put up some big numbers, Texas, are you buying that Texas is going to turn it around and become a contender? I'm not. I just think not necessarily the lack of the Big 12 title game, but the lack of the Big 12 having, you know, 3 or 4 really good teams this year is going to keep them shut out of the college football playoffs. See,
1: that's interesting. And I don't want to harp on this too much as, you know, kind of we're tight for time but you would think that in a power conference the lack of three or four good teams might prove beneficial to a team like Oklahoma because they're less likely to slip up and maybe thus more likely to kind of go on a run of going undefeated. The,
2: the thing on with Oklahoma as we you know this podcast will be posted after the game right. so I could look silly but Oklahoma's going to have a tough time time with Houston this weekend. Okay. And they play Ohio State week 3. So two of their sure, first the three games State are game. actually actually difficult and I know that you know, we talked about uh, TCU and Baylor. Texas Tech can put a lot of points on the board, but they can't play defense. Do so you think at they'll all? slip
1: up because they're just not good enough? Yeah, I just don't think. I
2: mean, this Oklahoma team lost to Texas last year, and Texas won what eight games? Right. Texas only won five games, and <laughs> one of them was Oklahoma. So, all
1: right. I mean, that's you make valid arguments. So, if you're a Big Twelve fan, if if you trust Ward's winners, expect to be left out. Now, before we wrap up and get to the NFL side of things, your Heisman Trophy winner—I'll give you two. Uh, Come
2: on, you got to give me one. I'm going to give you one, but I'm going to give you a dark horse candidate because the one guy that I—you
1: know—you got to give me a winner, and you can give me if the winner is not the dark horse candidate, that's fine. But I need a firm winner on record.
2: I will give you the winner. Okay. The winner, as I'm going hard with Clemson, I'm going to say that Deshaun Watson is going to be the winner. I don't like picking that. Because he's a, currently a 4-1 to one odds to win the trophy, yeah. which is tied with Leonard Fournette for the favorite. And the ringer, Bill Simmons' new endeavor, had a great article this week. Since 2009, 71 players have entered the season at better than 20-1 odds to win the Heisman Trophy. And only one of them has won the award. Wow, James, with the hard-hitting stats here. I do my one. research, Shawnee boy. All right. So
1: that's, I mean, so is he the best player in college football? Probably but that but, doesn't necessarily mean he'll win the Heisman. Right. Voters right. could look elsewhere.
2: My dark horse candidate, a guy that I talked about a little bit on the show, because I picked I picked the game, Greg Ward Jr. for Houston. Houston's had a Heisman Trophy winner before in Andre Ware. So it's not like it's like completely out of the realm of possibilities. I mean,
1: for a lot of people, 20 years or younger, that does seem like it's completely out of the realm of possibilities.
2: Right. But before Johnny Manziel won the Heisman at AM, AM has never had a Heisman Trophy winner. Oh, okay. All so right, It's, I mean, it's gotta happen. Greg Ward Jr., Houston only lost one game last year. It was the game that he got hurt and didn't play. When he played the entire game last year, Houston was undefeated, including a big bowl win against Florida State. He had was the only other quarterback besides Deshaun Watson to throw for over 2,000 yards and rush for over 1,000 yards last year. So the numbers will be there. He could you know take a tick up because of the Oklahoma game. They have a, a couple other bi- uh, decent games on their schedule. If Houston's in it the whole year, which I think they probably will be, it wouldn't
1: surprise me if he gets some Heisman Trophy votes. Interesting. Okay, so there we go. That's why we do it. We have to document these kind of things. So if Greg Ward Jr. ends up winning the Heisman, we could go back to PGB 107 and bow down to James, although he didn't have the guts to actually take. Now we transition to the up-the-gut, the NFL side of things, which I know we are all waiting for the start of the NFL season. I mean, I mean, we can't wait. I'll rattle off my playoff teams and I'll give you a first team out, if you will, on okay. each side. All right. In the AFC, I'll give you the AFC. I think the Patriots are still going to win the AFC East despite Tom Brady's suspension. Now, I think that could take them out of a, a buy, if you will. Like you know, if they go two and two, those might be the two losses that hurt them. Right. They might and, go ten and six. Right. And they could be playing wild card weekend. But there, there's nobody good enough in the AFC East to take over. The AFC North, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win the division. I think they're just too talented offensively while that defense continues to grow. You know, a lot of people want to make a case that the Ravens are going to have a bounce back year. I don't buy it. The Bengals, still dangerous, but the Bengals also lost a lot of pieces offensively, whether it be Marvin Jones. You know, it's just something's different about the Bengals this year, but again, it almost feels like they're ready to waste a playoff spot and not do anything again. The thing
2: that I don't like about the Ravens, I think the Bengals are clearly the second best team. You look at the Ravens, they went 5-11 and 11 last year. If they have a jump of four games, that's still 9-7. and seven. How is How are people picking this team to win the division?
1: Yeah, and I still don't love the receiving core. I mean, I need to see it from Brashad Perriman. I, Steve Smith was ready to retire before he got hurt last year. I, I'm not buying the Ravens. Their defense isn't very good. I mean, when you think of Ravens, you think of awesome defense. What's on the Ravens' defense that's scaring you? Yeah, there's I mean, we're counting on T. Suggs now?
2: Yeah, it's. I think he's a little bit past his prime. I don't really see it happening either.
1: I'm not buying into the Ravens on that side. But, okay, so Steelers... Patriots so far. AFC West. Now, this is a very controversial division, okay? Obviously, the defending Super Bowl champs, but they're starting Trevor who at quarterback this year? Not Mark Sanchez. The Chiefs constantly, you know, last year I was so down on the Chiefs, I didn't pick them to make the playoffs, and that was stupid of me. Andy Reid knows how to get the team to the playoffs. I don't really like Alex Smith. That being said, that's a damn good defense. They make enough plays offensively. Jamal Charles is coming back. I think the Chiefs are going to win the division, and that's over the Oakland Raiders who have become everybody's sexy pick to win the division. You know what? I kind of like your Chiefs
2: pick. I would maybe lean towards the Raiders, but as I said about the Ravens, Raiders went seven and nine last year. Are they really going to have like a four game jump?
1: Probably 11 wins, probably going to win the division. I could see the Chiefs going 11-5 and I five again. Chiefs, I think the Chiefs could certainly go 11-5. And, five. and uh, what division am I missing here at this point? South. The AFC South. Okay, this Everyone's
2: is, favorite division.
1: This is where I've tossed and turned. If you would have asked me four weeks ago at the beginning of camp, I would have, without a doubt, told you the Indianapolis Colts are winning the division. I just felt like they were due for a bounce back year. But they have had such a rough training camp. Injuries still all over the place. The offensive line's a mess. I, they're just. I feel like everybody sees Andrew Luck and goes, Oh, they're the Colts. They're going to win the division. Andrew Luck's a good quarterback. The team around, Andrew Luck, stinks. Yeah. They stink. They're not very good. And you know what? I was so ready now to, to eat my words and, and go buy into Bill O'Brien, even though I thought he was a disgrace in that wild card game last year in the Texans. And Because I think Brock Oswald is better than we give him credit for. But you know what? That offensive line is a disaster now. They just lost their center for the year. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm taking the Jacksonville Jaguars to win the AFC South. Oh. And, and, I, and I, I know everybody had, was very sexy on Jacksonville. And I tried to be the guy to pump the brakes on it. But this is more of an anti-Texans and anti-Colts pick. And just look at that Jaguars roster. That Jaguars roster has talent on both sides. Talent all over the place. They might be one of the more talented rosters in football. Just on, you know, and I know it's all about execution and, and coaching and scheme and all that, but talent alone, the Jaguars have a ton of it. See, I like the Jaguars. I still think they're a year year away. I felt that way. Again, this is anti-Texans,
2: anti-Colts. The thing and I will one point to combat you on the Texans pick although I, I don't know if I'd take the Texans to win the division, last year they went 9-7 and seven and made the playoffs, and they had four different starting quarterbacks. You yeah. had Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, TJ Yates, and Brandon Weeden all starting games, and this was a playoff team.
1: Yeah, I, boy, I don't think the defense is going to be as good. I mean, there's already injuries injury questions surrounding Watt. I know Clowney's been healthy, but can he stay? I don't know, man. I, DeAndre Hopkins and, and Notre I Dame know. wide receiver Will Fuller. The, and they got Braxton, Braxton Miller making plays in the slot. The Texans, I know the Texans got players, man. Something, something in the pit of my stomach does not sit well with the Texans this year. The
2: other thing about that division is it's better because the Jaguars are better. The Colts are obviously okay, and the Texans are obviously okay. But they like it's not exactly like. The AFC
1: North, where you're you're really getting scarred up in the division. Like those yeah. teams are all yeah. I, I expect a division blase. winner to win nine or ten games. I don't expect the division winner to win 11, 12 games. Right.
2: The division winner of that
1: division is playing the first week. Exactly. My two wild card teams. I'm gonna give you the Raiders. I think the Raiders do get in. The other wild card. I'm gonna still give you the Bengals because you know what? I, every time you want to pick against the Bengals because they don't win the playoffs, you're an idiot because they just they're still loaded. They are still loaded. They, I think they take a little step back. Maybe they maybe they get in at nine and seven. My first team out, I think, will be the Denver Broncos. Okay. Okay, now nobody's picking—I look around. Not a lot of people picking Denver to make the playoffs, and I'm not either. So I want to make it clear. I think Denver is probably an 8-8, eight 9-7 and, eight, nine and seven that misses out on some kind of tiebreak, maybe to Oakland, maybe something like that. And I know Peyton Manning wasn't great, and they won with strictly defense. They still lost some key defensive pieces on that team. I mean, Malik Jackson's not there. Danny Trevathan's not there. So I don't expect the defense to be as dominant as it was a year ago. In fact, I think the Raiders' defense could overtake Denver for— being a better defense, that's a really good defensive division, obviously, we mentioned with Kansas City. But I think Denver and the quarterback situation, I think they just missed out. That's my first team out on the AFC.
2: Okay, All so right? no one from the AFC East and no one from the AFC South besides the division wheels will sniff the playoffs.
1: Exactly. Now let me just run through the NFC quick before I bore you to death. The NFC West, I do think the Seattle Seahawks get back and become NFC West champions this year. Okay. Love them. The, AFC, uh, the NFC South, it's still got to be Carolina. I struggled with this because something tells me Carolina's going to slip up. But even if they slip up, they were still 15-1 and last year. Right, a slip-up's a 12-4 and year. And I actually heard a good argument um, driving home from work the other night on, I believe it was Sirius NFL Radio. People were making the case, if you look, Carolina's offense actually might be, be- This is weird to say, without Kelvin Benjamin. Because... Cam Newton's so tight with Kelvin Benjamin the year before. Seems to be a guy that likes to force the ball there, maybe throw it a little high. And when he didn't have Kelvin Benjamin, it actually made him a better quarterback. But I think that Cam Newton can still take the things that he grew and learned with last year and now add that to having Kelvin Benjamin in the mix. And I think that offense is going to take the next step. So I like I like Carolina to win that division. The NFC East, I'm going New York Giants. I am. I don't... Of course you are. I am. No, I am. But I, I've made a point on the show several times that I'm going to get to it, my wild card pick. Their defense state... They have the best defense in that division now. yeah. Talent-wise, they do. Which is crazy because they have the worst division in football. And I think everybody just looks and says, oh, they've added Snacks Harrison, Olivier Vernon, and Janoris Jenkins. Oh, okay, but they added a high price. But it's more than that. They changed the linebacking core. They got healthy with a guy like Jonathan Hankins and and JPP are healthier. They drafted Eli Apple, who looks looks to be the goods. And they drafted a guy like Darian Thompson at safety. And Landon Collins become the second-year defense. That's a defense that's now suddenly loaded with talent. It might take them a little while to gel. And you know what? The offensive lines had questions, but the Giants still had a top 10 offense last year with Reuben as their second receiver, and they started the year with Preston Parker as their third. They have now added a guy you mentioned the first half of the podcast, Sterling Shepard. And Victor Cruz now looks to be the part. I mean, in the preseason finale, he was getting separation on Malcolm Butler, who might be the Patriots' best corner.
2: The thing about the Giants, and I think I back you up on this, they went 6-10 last year. If
1: their defense could make four stops, it could have easily been 10-6. Right, and I think the defense is going to make more than four stops. So I like the Giants to win the NFC East. The NFC North, I'm going the Green Bay Packers. I have to. Uh, after the Teddy Bridgewater injury, I don't even think there's a contest. In fact, I'd argue this might end up being the worst division of football this year. It could be the NFC South from last year. Yeah, I think the Lions and Bears stink. I really do. I think they're terrible. Uh, I'm not buying into the Lions offense being mysterious now without Calvin Johnson. And the Bears are terrible. And the Vikings, I thought, were a little overrated going into the year. And you could tell me, well, Teddy Bridgewater's a game manager. Yeah, but you know what? The reason people were high on Minnesota was their defense is great, but this was the year you were expecting Teddy B to make that leap. He's not there to do that. And Sean Hill or whoever they bring in is not going to be able to do that, so... I love the Packers in what I think is the worst division in football, and I think the Packers beat up on that division. My two wild cards, I'm going the Arizona Cardinals because even if you don't like Carson Palmer in the big game, you can't bet against Bruce Arians. I think next to Bill Belichick, he's the best coach in the NFL, and that defense will still be good. And my second wild card, Minnesota's out of the mix now. People like Tampa Bay, and I get it. I can't buy into Dallas's defense stinks even without with Romo out. Maybe Dak goes on his miracle run and Dallas gets in. But I really think the Redskins make it. And everybody craps on the NFCs for being the worst division in football, and it was last year. But that schedule the NFCs plays this year is very manageable because uh, I think the Ravens and Browns aren't going to be very good. I like the Redskins to step in and probably get that sixth seed and get a wild card. And I think everybody's going to go, oh, wow, the NFC wasn't as bad as we thought. And Dallas could even be 7-9, 8-8 eight and, eight and make the NFC that much more interesting. I think the Eagles are terrible. The Niners are terrible. There are some bad teams in the NFC. The Eagles are dreadful. Dreadful. In and a, that needs to be noted. In, in a
2: league that's based on offensive skill players, who's the best Eagles offensive player? They're bad. They're they bad very around. bad. They had the
1: trade for Doriel Green-Beckham. So if I had to give you my first team out. I guess I'd go Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they're gonna be the second in the in the South. I'm not buying into the Falcons. The Saints, we love Breeze and Peyton. They're terrible. So dumb.
2: yeah, they're they're not a good
1: football I team anymore. I, I think I think more competitive the AFC is a more competitive conference, top to bottom. I think the N, the NFC has much more weaker teams at the bottom. That's the way I would look at it. Now, if you give me a Super Bowl pick, that being said, the Green Bay Packers I think could have like a fifteen and one kind of year because their division stinks so bad. That team, I think, is winning the Super Bowl this year. I think Aaron Rodgers gets ring number two. I still have questions about their offensive line and questions on their defense, but I think they get enough done. The team they beat in the AFC, I'm not going New England. I'm not going, obviously, the Jacksonville Jaguars or, any, or the Steelers have been a popular pick. I think Andy Reid gets to the Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs this year. That's my bold pick. It's very easy for me to go, oh, it's Patriots-Packers. No, give me Andy Reid and the Chiefs getting to the Super Bowl. And I think, again, we're sitting there in February, and Andy Reid is going to screw up the clock on the Super Bowl this year, and Aaron Rodgers is going to get his ring number two. That would be my pick. Packers, Chiefs, good old-school kind of football matchup, and that's my Super Bowl pick. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl.
2: That's a good throwback. Yeah. I mean, you could picture seeing those on TV. Oh, it would be tremendous.
1: That would play well on TV. So that's where I'm going. I mean, any argument here before we get out of here?
2: No, I think the Packers are clearly the best team in the NFC and the thing that like i don't know if the vikings are definitely out of it i know we talked about what teddy bridgewater could do this I season i don't think
1: they're going 5 and 11 I think they're probably eight and eight.
2: They won eleven games last year with Bridgewater throwing fourteen touchdowns. Yeah. So you're telling me Sean Hill can't have like a fourteen touchdown? Type no, but year? I
1: also think a lot of this is I don't think Adrian Peterson is going to be as good. I think you're going to start to see the wheel, the tread start to show up there. They're deep, the, the
2: Vikings defense might
1: be the second best defense in football. It's a great defense, but you know what? You're starting to get guys that have, are are getting paid now on the defense too. I wonder if that takes a little edge off. Yeah. I, I I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm just. Again, they're probably 8-8 eight eight for me.
2: I'm with you. I think the Packers are the best team in the NFC. Packers, I think the Chiefs. Car- Cardinals are close.
1: Seahawks yeah. close. I I'm, I can't pick the Cardinals in the playoffs anymore with Carson Palmer. I've seen enough.
2: Yeah, I've seen I, enough. I agree with you. You, you. Usually when you do these kind of predictions, you look at what team's the best overall, but also what team has the best quarterback, and you trust Aaron
1: Rodgers in the playoffs. He's going to have a good year. Exactly. So that's where I'm going. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers is going to win league MVP for me. That's fair. That's that's my pick. No no disagreement here. So there you go. I mean, I hope that was enough information for you guys to digest both on the college and the NFL side. Please check out our blogs, the Up the Gut, the awards winners at DA on CBS.com. They'll be coming at you weekly along with our NFL weekly picks every week on the show. It's football season. Get into it. Enjoy it. Thank you, everybody, for listening.